We're extremely happy with our results across all of our lines of businesses. We delivered $2.5 billion in net profit to Ontario last fiscal year. That's just a source of pride and really the fuel that drives the organization to continue to improve. Welcome back to the Gaming News Canada show presented by Osler, Hoskin and Hardcore LLP. And I'm your host, Steve McAllister. Over the next 60th minutes, we will be joined by Kinder Group's Amanda Brewer, Canadian gaming industry veteran Chris Abbott, and Jeff Sokodny, the North American gambling industry beat writer for covers, as we'll, uh, we'll do a bit of a post-mortem and a, a debrief on last week's Global Gaming Expo in Las Vegas, now that we're all, all back here on, uh, on Canadian soil, I believe. Uh, Dave Pridmore, the chief gaming officer of OLG, will pop by a little bit later to discuss the Lottery Corporation's 2022-23 annual report. I just want to mention this week, we, we had more than 40 job postings and the, the classified jobs information section of the newsletters become one of our, our biggest sections and one of our most highly engaged sections. So if you're someone who listens to this show and you're looking for a, a job or looking to move maybe within the, the gambling industry, uh, strongly recommend you take a look at that section. And, and we, we do have a lot of subscribers who don't work in the gambling space, who work in sports media or, or on the business of sports side. And we also have several job postings along those lines as, as well this week. Amanda, maybe we'll, we'll start with you. Your post uh, G2EA experience wasn't, wasn't great. Uh, uh, so maybe you can just talk about that for a second, but just to start with just some overall impressions of last week's uh, last week's conference in Las Vegas. Well, I think uh, the general consensus is G2E has come roaring back. Uh, the show is packed, all the industry events, I mean, multiple networking industry parties um, on, on, on all of the nights uh, and just, you know, a general sense of just kind of relief that we seem to have put the whole COVID experience behind us. Ironically, several of us contracted COVID. <laughs> I have no idea who I can point the finger at, um, but several uh, Canadians came home with that. So I guess looking at the silver lining, we'll have bulletproof immunity for the winter season, <laughs> just trying to find the silver lining. But yeah, I was on a panel on the Monday um, and it was my first time speaking of D2E and not really certain what the attendance is like because the education pass is separate. You can't just get a ticket or a pass to a single panel. You have to sort of pony up for the whole entire education pass. So I was um, on with Dr. Karen Schnarr, who's the uh, new CEO of the AGCO, and Martha Ott and Chantal Cipriano from PointsBag and um, Shelley White from the RGC. So it was a it was just sort of an interesting panel with just a general overview of, you know, what the first 18 months in the market have been like, what we kind of hope to see coming down the pipeline for Ontario, you know, which provinces may come next, and then just kind of a bit of a, a description of because it happened to be a panel of women, which you'd think in 2023 isn't something we actually need to underscore, um, but just how we all ended up working in this industry, because it certainly wasn't something back when I was in university, you were going to school to study. Um, so yeah, it was, but all in all, a really wonderful show. It's so great to see so many people um, and reconnect with people. And as always, it's a, it's a, it's a dynamic and changing industry. So um, every year there's, there's, there's something different to learn about it. Yeah, I'll, I agree. Amanda on the, the panel on the Monday, I, I thought it was a really great panel with, uh, with five, the five of you. And it was uh, nice to uh, have an opportunity to meet, uh, to meet Karen Schnarr in, in person. And, 
and as we wrote in the the Tuesday newsletter last week, uh, you know, kudos or, or props to to Martha Otten for providing some some news to that that panel with uh, some of the numbers from the from IGO's latest performance uh, performance report. So it, it was it, that was a great session. Uh, Jeff, just some general thoughts from you on the week. It was my first G2E. I really enjoyed it. I um, I was kind of wondering going into the week, you know, if there'd be anything really new to learn, having been to a few other uh, similar conferences. But no, I, I really thought that I did get a lot out of it. And I know, first of all, I just want to say that thanks for having me on. And, uh, you know, I really enjoy what you guys do on the show. And, you know, your two guests here, I, I have a lot of respect for as well. Um, but yeah, you know, when it comes to, to G2E, um, yeah, I thought that there were a few themes that started to emerge pretty early on, uh, some of them pretty understandably so, one of which uh, was around cybersecurity, which of course was, was a, a big deal uh, in Vegas in particular, given the uh, incidents that happened at, at MGM and Caesars. Those were things that got talked about a lot, um, a lot of conversation about, uh, you know, daily fancy sports and the whole pick'em debate that's going on. Um, yeah, it was, I, I, I did come away with, with a lot there. And then also too, um, a lot of conversations still about illegal gambling and, and a push from you know, the American Gaming Association and, and some people uh, who are members of that around trying to uh, crack down further on, on those elements. So no, I, I definitely came away feeling like I learned a lot and also too, uh, just um, some ideas about you know what what people are thinking about like what, what's the future uh, where where are we sort of heading and it looks like you know, there might be room for a bit of a, a I don't know if you would call it a, a pause in the industry but just time to catch your breath uh, with the, with the cadence of state launches slowing to to really think about what's next and and where you want to go yeah that, good stuff Jeff and again we'll get to Chris in a second but I, I just want to mention I mean it's not a a coincidence that Jeff's Coverage of the industry gets gets an awful lot of uh, play in, in the news every week, and uh, I think I joked with you, Jeff, last week that you were you were a writing machine out, out in Vegas uh, on top of you know networking and and listening to the panels and the, the different uh, keynote speakers. Jeff does great work on the industry along along with uh, so many other journalists as we've mentioned in this format before, and. And uh, so, you know, we we share as we share the stuff he writes in the newsletter. We we often uh, uh, share his tweets and including about, you know, 10, 15 minutes ago as Jeff kind of got an ear on the Massachusetts uh, Gaming Commission hearing today. And, and then I guess the commission, Jeff, ex expressing a bit of concern about ESPN bet uh, and the use of uh, ESPN personalities when when. Uh, ESPN launched their sports betting product next month. Chris Abbott, I mean, a, a bit of a unique situation for you last week in Vegas, where you're a free agent right now. What what, what was your week like? Yeah, I mean, it was it was an ideal time actually with uh, with my last contract ending uh, at the end of September. So, um, yeah, I think Amanda alluded to it. It's like a, it's like a high school reunion sometimes when you when you go to these things and. And talking to people who you used to work with, maybe at a, a former job or a former supplier or what have you, and and just the sheer volume of people. I mean, uh, unless you were there, it's hard to really put it into words. But uh, the conference floor, um, just the 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 path from like the main uh, corridor, the Venetian down. It's a, it was like a you know a New York City subway station. It was unbelievably full of people, um, which was great. 
And I think um, one of the things that stood out to me was, you know, this this conference was, was about land-based, you know, for, for the longest time. And it's still heavily land-based influence, but um, iGaming is carving out a, a bigger and bigger part every single year. And one of the things I thought was super cool um, was that I went past the Evolution booth and they had a, like a physical crazy time game set up, um, which I presume they're selling into into the land-based casinos. And I thought that was uh, a real interesting crossover in a game that's become very popular um, online to, to something that might translate offline, which, you know, in the past, we've always been like, oh, this is the same game I saw when I was at Caesars Palace or at the MGM or whatever. Now it's it's going back the other way a little bit. I thought that was really cool. But yeah, really valuable. Um, like I said, um, you know, in the preamble before we, we went live here, you know, I was... I might be getting old, Steve, because I was I was bagged. Other other times when I might go out and enjoy the night until the sun came up, um, I was I was tucked into bed, uh, making sure I had something left for the next day. I don't know if it was COVID or not, Amanda, but I, I was tired. Yeah, well, I, I I made the decision, Chris, that last week is will be the final uh, the final red eye flight of my life. That was uh, I, I thought I could I could handle one more red eye flight, but I'm I'm dragging my derriere a little bit this week and i think that's that's the fallout from uh from being on a four-hour flight and getting about 20 20 minutes of shot eye so one thing that chris said i i did hear the comment as i was heading into one of my lunches that g2e is a bad show with good people at it and it was a european who was saying that and of course if your experience is working in europe land-based is not like their land-based casinos you can't even compare to what you see especially in vegas um and so they're very used to having g2e which is by and large iGaming and sports betting online sports betting only so you come over to g2e and it's probably a shock for a lot of them to see the big you know igt and every enlightened wonder um booths with all the you know slot cabinets but you're on the vegas strip and those vegas casinos are the bread and butter still of that industry in las vegas so i think some of it too is just kind of understanding you know where you are the geography you're in and and you know the gaming environment of of you know the, the city and, and the conference you're at but it was just it struck me as a really funny comment to make because it's 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 actually a great conference with really good people at it it's just you know it is really a fusion of the iGaming and the and the land-based side but as Chris pointed out I've been coming to G2E for more years than I can count and you know the early years you would you would barely find any evolutions or pragmatic plays or any of the rest of them there um so it's been really nice to see that part of the industry mature yeah we had marine bettis amanda on the podcast two weeks ago right before g2e from the american gaming association and she mentioned that for the first time g2e had a, a dedicated um, um eye gaming section of the of the floor at the expo uh uh last week and i think probably depends on where you work in the industry jeff but for i think for people like you and i who cover the industry having that opportunity to to see people face to face and and listen in on the panels i mean there's just uh you, you just can't uh, state highly enough the benefits of having that face-to-face time and, and catching up with people about what's going on in the industry yeah it's huge just from a basic journalism perspective right getting to know people in person um lets them get to know you as well uh makes everyone a bit more comfortable talking around each other um these pandemic years you have uh you spend a lot of time talking to people over the phone through teams or whatever and then you finally see them in person and it's like seeing an old friend so it's kind of funny that way 
Um, and then <laughs> for other parts, I spent a lot of my day watching various regulatory hearings, as you pointed out, like today watching the Massachusetts Gaming Commission. And then you go to these things and, oh, look, there's the, the chair of the Massachusetts Gaming Commission. It's almost like TV characters like coming to life and walking around uh, around you. So it's 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 a bit jarring that way. But then you finally remember yourself and, and reach for the business card, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, no, it's and, and this time around, too, I, I, I thought there were some really interesting guests. Uh, a lot of people um, that, that don't necessarily have a a front facing role for organizations that, that were kind of put out on, on some stages and got to talk. Um, the other people that, that sometimes maybe don't uh, appear in public so much. And, and I, and I guess too, I should say, you know, my part of covering the industry is very much on the digital side. So not a whole lot of time spent, you know, going over the, the brick and mortar part, but that is such a huge part of the show, but on, on the online side too, just a, a lot of talk, um, you know, getting to see some of these uh, representatives from the the non-betting side of things, like the leagues, for example, right. um, hearing them talk about what they think about sports betting, where, where they really hope the business is going to go, because they have become partners with the operators in, in some ways, and you know they want the operators to help them, and they want to help the operators too. And so just hearing them talk about that relationship um, from people that, that don't necessarily do, do the usual rounds was was pretty helpful as well. Chris, man, I, I want to ask you just, uh, you know, we, we talk about this usually leading into every every conference and, and afterwards just about the kinds of questions that, that the two of you get about what's going on in Canada, Ontario. And, uh, Chris, I'll just start with you and just, you know, ask, has, has the conversation shifted at all or, you know, just the questions or, the, or those, those conversations you have with people are they a little bit different now when it comes to talking about the, what's going on here well i think it's not as novel anymore even though you know we're a year and a half into the regulated market um i think you know most companies at one point or another somehow are touching ontario so there's less um yeah there's less uh, curiosity i think and more of a okay you're settled in you're kind of part of the group now you know it's uh, it's uh, a little more like that and the questions then will go to you know, you know which problem is next and what do you think and and all that but um, one of the other questions that we get because Amanda kind of alluded to it but just to you know some people might not realize while sports betting and Jeff you'll have the exact number is in you know half almost half the states um, casino is not online so there's there's a lot of questions we get about the casino side of the business and how much it means and and the answer is it means absolutely everything to to profitability and sustainability for a brand so um that's one of the things that i think is is really important and really important to watch and to the point about you know the the land base versus the online um you know you don't see a ton of the the sports betting kind of suppliers on the floor uh, but you do see a lot of the the online casino suppliers on the floor which would have been very new to a lot of people in the united states amanda yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I was just in a in a self-exclusion working group meeting this morning. And, you know, we do have online land-based, um, you know, suppliers here in Canada. Falls View and Delta are the two that come right to mind. And so, you know, I, I again, going back to my early days at G2E, like, you know, we were joking that the education sessions you could almost skip because, you know, 
Ontario, Canada was actually further ahead than a lot of the U.S. states when it came to online gaming, because at least if we didn't have a regulated market, certainly we had lottery corporations like BCLC, OLG, um, were starting to go online with their, their lottery corporation products. So we, in some respects, felt like we were a little bit more you know, advanced in terms of, of, of that industry launching in Canada. So to you know, come back down to, to G2E and, and to now have those those kind of those conversations happening i think it's just you know the ongoing education of how we're different up here you know and the ongoing you know i i sound like a broken record when i keep saying like it's it's near impossible to compare what's happening in ontario to any other jurisdiction in the market what what state has 47 operators in a multi-product fully licensed multi-product you know jurisdiction i mean there's there's no one that you can kind of compare to ontario so i always feel like i'm like a bit of a brand ambassador for what happens up here because there's still a lot of people who are interested but they just can't really fully wrap their heads around how how it is that we're different up here hey jeff i should ask you that question too because obviously you talk to a lot of people and they know you're from canada do you you get asked ask the same questions that chris and amanda are getting yes and no uh I'm usually the one asking the questions, to be honest. Um, people, uh, that, that that's sort of my job. Um, but I, I find uh, just talking with some people, there is an interest in Ontario. They, the operators, they of course like the fact that you have both online sports betting and iGaming, which, as Chris pointed out, while you have a majority of states in the U.S. with some form of sports betting legalized, it's only really a handful uh, that have iGaming, and iGaming is a big part of the strategy for some of these bigger operators in, in pushing toward profitability. And it was, I, I found one of the comments I found pretty interesting to hear uh, had to do with the, you know, the big uh, Ali Foreman uh, DraftKings FanDuel panel, uh, I think it was on Wednesday, right? Um, where some of the rhetoric that came in, I think it was from Jason Robbins, CEO of DraftKings, trying to talking about trying to frame the discussion around iGaming in similar terms to what you hear around uh, sports betting legalization, where, you know, you hear a lot of, you know, it's already going on. We need to, to regulate it kind of thing um, that that I had my ears perk up a bit because, uh, you know, we've heard arguments from the operators in certain states about, um, you know, it, one that comes to mind is New York, where you have a very high tax rate. Operators have pushed there for iGaming because they see it as a way to not necessarily adjust the sports bank tax rate, but allow them to earn revenue a different way to kind of offset that higher burden. Um, but just, yeah, that, that, that trying to make um, another push for iGaming and using that sports betting related rhetoric, I thought is, is going to be a pretty interesting wrinkle going forward. Uh, and, and one that I think we're going to hear um, more often. It, it was, it, it really stood out to me. Just on that revenue piece, uh, Jeff, I had a chance to sit in on, I think it was a Tuesday morning uh, panel with uh, that uh, Jessica Wellman from SBC moderated with uh, Captain Jack Andrews, a professional better uh, uh, Patrick I uh, Everson, a uh, Vegas insider who's been covering the gambling industry for for decades, and uh, Alex Kane, the CEO of Sport Trade, and uh, I wish uh, I, I couldn't write fast enough to to keep track, but but Kane had a great uh, bit of a soliloquy on on how to uh, how to do a better job in the gambling industry from a financial standpoint, and and he talked about. Uh, you know, letting the free market system kind of run, a, maybe not completely rampant, but much more, more rampant than it is now and not 
not taxing peop, uh, customers on winnings and, and uh, stripping a lot of the fees that that uh, that uh, operators face right now and and uh, and uh, just making it a little bit easier for them to, to run their businesses and when I heard was listening to Alex talking, man, it kind of brought me back to the conversations that you've had, that you and I have had, but also you've had on this, on this show, um, that it's not, not cheap for these operators to, to do business in Ontario, that, uh, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of different, uh, different costs involved and that those costs do add up. The AML audits, the SOC 2 audits, you know, when you start adding on the mandatory RG check accreditation, because um, we don't have a choice of any other supplier. We have choices of different, you know, like test labs, different integrity providers. But for some reason, that's the only choice we have to do this side of things. So that's a cost as well. So what is the actual kind of real tax rate that an operator is bearing when they come into this market? And, you know, the thing that I was talking about last week with a lot of people, which is like Ontario is a a unique mix in that you will have all the big operators that you're used to seeing in the states the FanDuel's, the DraftKings, the Venom GMs. All those operators are in Ontario. But what you don't have in the states are all the rest of those small, mostly European operators that may be big in various different European jurisdictions. They do not exist south of the border, but they are in Ontario. So that is what makes Ontario such a very unique market. It, it's it's who is here. Um, but I also sometimes question if operators have a good enough understanding of what it takes to be in this market, of what the cost, the overall cost, not just the tax rate, but the overall cost is to be in this market. Because I think for some of them, uh, that might prove to be a bit of a shock to the system after they get their license and they decide to, to start trying to operate here. Amanda, do you, do you believe then that we might see, you know, when we get to April and and uh, the second anniversary of the market, that you we we could see some operators pull out because they finally do realize the cost of doing business in Ontario, and it just it, it just doesn't make sense. I don't even know if it'll be April. I think there'll be some that for January. I mean, the regulatory recovery fees for Q1 and two just landed, so you know you need to have your RG check accreditation completed by your second anniversary in the market. Um, these are all some pretty significant costs. So um, my suspicion will be you will see the operators probably, you know, December, January, even some of them choosing to just say, you know, thanks, but, you know, a little bit more than we signed up for. for. Chris, anything to add to that? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, I thought this from day one, there's, there's way too many operators for it to work, but um, or well, to work for the operators, right? So, so one of the things when you see the when you see the results that get published uh, by iGaming Ontario, you're only seeing one side. You're seeing the revenue piece, the tax piece. You're not seeing the other side of the sheet that with marketing costs and and all the costs that Amanda laid out. So, I do see it happening. I I, I mean, I think you'll see it happening in in different ways. Um, you know, I know that some companies just decide to cut costs, whether it be with personnel. Um, you know, which was one of the, you know, in my case, personnel and marketing, um, get pulled back and then, and then you're looking for a new job. Um, so it's, it's something I foresee happening. Um, some companies might say, okay, we still want to be here, but we're not going to spend the extra marketing money. We're not going to spend the extra personnel money. We'll run it from Europe. We'll run it from wherever they might be located. I think we'll see some of that. 
Because I think one of the things that, and, and I'm focusing on European providers, because I think the American brands are are stuck here for now. I don't think they plan to leave. Um, I think some of the European providers, with all the things they have to do to localize, some of them might say, hey, we're just going to give us give them their product and see if that works without putting the extra work in, right? And do some, some less... Um, costly digital marketing, um, online marketing, Google type stuff. Um, but I do think you'll see some that say, no, that's okay. We're good. A word from our sponsor. The Gaming News Canada show is presented by Osler, Hoskin and Harcourt LLP. Osler's gaming practice has the insight needed to help clients navigate the complex and evolving landscape of the gaming industry. Osler's position as a trusted advisor in the gaming industry has been built over years of service to operators, suppliers, and gaming authorities. Visit osler.com slash gaming for more information. That's O-S-L-E-R dot com forward slash gaming. Now back to the show. Hey, uh, we've got Dave Pridmore will be joining us in a couple minutes, but before Dave uh, comes on, I'll maybe go around the home with the three, uh, just on the responsible gambling piece. And again, I think it's... Um, you know, for for someone like myself who who's still a bit of an outsider of the industry, um, it almost sometimes, and I think people there are other people who feel this way that sometimes responsible gambling is just uh, just two words that gets used used all the time. And and uh, uh, Amanda, maybe start with you on this again, just because our audience, not everybody, is that listens to this podcast and this show, are people who work in the industry. Can you maybe just explain how, like, what responsible gambling entails, and and you know how integral it is to to doing doing business for these operators? Uh, it's 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 a big topic, and there's not really one simplistic way to to describe it. But you know, the hope for every operator when a customer signs up and deposits money and starts to play is that this is a form of entertainment for them. And they will be budgeting the amount they spend and they will budget the amount of time they spend. So both the time and the money they spend. And this will be something that is like going out to a show or going to a sporting event or going out for dinner. This is entertainment to that customer. Um, Responsible gambling is making sure that in everything we do from the content we offer, how we design our websites, the marketing uh, materials that we put out, the advertising that we do, the customer points of contact that we have, it is all keeping this in mind. And then, you know, every operator approaches the back end of the monitoring very differently, but that's sort of the the advantage to the online side of things is the operators can monitor the play of customers. And, you know, on the Kindred side, there is a system that we use and it will send up alerts if they're seeing all kinds of suspicious kinds of behavior that could indicate that someone is actually now starting to encounter some some problems with how they're using our products and the amount of time and money they're spending on our website or on our app. So, you know, and like I said, it's not just a simplistic way to describe it, but it really just means that with, with everything you're putting forward in the market to the public, to your customers, you are trying to make sure that the customers you are acquiring are the ones who are here for entertainment purposes only. And if you start noticing some deviations to what you consider to be healthy behavior, you have 
mechanisms that will kick in immediately to start trying to offer support. And support can look lots of different ways. Um, it can, you know, without going through all of them, but there, it's not just like, please self-exclude yourself and go to, you know, Connects Ontario and go get yourself some counseling help. That's an extreme case, but there's lots of different ways that operators support customers who might just need something like a, a cool off period or a timeout period as well. So that is in a nutshell, that's kind of, that's RG, but it, it's collectively all of us as operators in this industry who are hopefully kind of operating, you know, in that, in the market with, with that front and center. Yeah. Uh, Chris? Yeah, I think um, I think while there's lots of tools available to each operator and everyone has them available on the site, some are mandated um, through regulation, some are are even you know a step further than that. It does come back to each company's responsible gaming and compliance departments to make sure that that these things are being monitored. I've worked for a number of companies. Um, one of which I thought was almost too far on the, you know, checking in on the player side and, and, uh, you know, others that I thought there should have been more done. Um, it is delicate. There is, you know, every attitude out there from, uh, and this from the operator side from, you know, I do not want you playing here if you can't afford it. And if you tell me you can't afford it, I never want you to play here again to let's see how much we can reasonably, extract because these these this is how you know we're in a for-profit business it's very very um subjective um there's no hard and fast rule that everyone subscribes to based on a player behavior so in that regard i do think there's more that we can do as an industry um you know we have integrity monitoring we have kyc monitoring we have payments monitoring um i think responsible gaming um we can do a better job and it's such a broad it's such a broad spectrum because, you know, $50 to me or $100 to me or $1,000 to somebody else or $10,000 to somebody else, it's all different. So it's not that you can do a dollar threshold. And you also, you know, have the, the UK example where they want to do financial checks on everybody. And then that's probably going to drive people out of your regulated market. So it's a long-winded way of saying that we can all do better. I don't think there's any operators out there that, that want to see um, their customers suffer, but it is a fine balance, and I do think that we can do more. Hey, Jeff, just quickly before we get Dave in here, as, as a journalist, like what is there a, a burning issue with you responsible gambling, or is there, is there something about RG with the way, way you've covered the industry and it comes to mind? I think for me, what's looming large is, and this was one of the panels at G2E, there was, um, there were a few people from the, from the UK talking about kind of lessons learned there. And I think it's, more, you know, it's all just about trying to uh, address it on the front end so that you, you're not kind of having to, to, to cope, you know, 10 years from now, see that there was a, a glaring issue that you have to go back and revisit. Because in the UK, for example, they're examining the possibility of, um, financial risk checks, you know, using credit reporting agencies to see if, if you should be wagering, you know, seeing like, hey, did Jeff pay his rent this month? Did he pay his phone bill? If not, should he be betting? That kind of thing. Um, and so that it's almost like they're living in the future in some ways. And so you want to ensure that you're doing as much possible now. Um, so, you know, 10 years from now, I think that their, their online gambling act the legislation came to effect in early 2000s. Uh, so you're, you're not sort of 
having to come to a point in the future where you're having to examine these sort of sweeping reforms and, and looking uh, for, for harsher measures being imposed by, by regulators or legislators. Great stuff. Thanks all three on, on that topic. And that uh, is a nice segue to, uh, to welcome to the Gaming News Canada show, Dave Pridmore, the Chief Gaming Officer for OLG. Uh, Dave, I know we've, we've had the chance to speak on many occasions over the last couple of years for for both the newsletter and and uh and previously for the toronto star column i wrote but i i, th I think this is your maiden appearance on the on linkedin audio with us yeah I'm happy to be here steve good to see you great and yeah it was great to see each other uh, last week dave as well gee too maybe let's just start and because i know you're listening to uh, amanda and chris and, and jeff weigh in on the responsible gambling and one of the takeaways from the annual report that i included in in our coverage uh tuesday morning in the newsletter was uh, OLG steering $22 million to responsible gambling uh, programs and resources last year. And that, that includes things like your play mart centers and education and technologies, uh, staff training and, and self-exclusion. Can you maybe just talk, Dave, has there, has there been an evolution of responsible gambling or is it really a case where you're, you're continually looking for new ways to, to make sure that, uh, that, that what, what OLG is offering as customers that there is uh, pl player protection and safety. Yeah, yeah, I was, I'm happy to talk about it. Actually, I came in halfway through the conversation, but I was actually delighted to hear the um, responsible gaming conversation. You know, and, and actually, just before I get into the meat of that question, even just yesterday, we had um, our PlaySmart forum at Pickering Casino, which is an opportunity for our land-based OLG representatives, but also our service providers in both the charitable gaming and land-based casino space come together and then also our digital teams come together. And so, you know, I think one, you know, big evolution of the responsible gaming program, certainly at OLG is just its integration into the business. And sorry, I, I think it was Chris who was mentioning this as well. I, I mean, we see this as just an enabling tool of just, you know, sustainable long-term health of our, our customer base and making sure that, you know, we're always providing new tools and, and those tools are, 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 are a part of the play, both in digital and, and land-based gaming. So, you know, I think the evolution is really, and, and you'll see with all of our play smart centers, front and center, as soon as you walk into, into casinos, just the evolution of its, of its complete integration into the business and how it's, you know, a seamless part, no different than, you know, the registration process or the, uh, the, the loyalty program process, just a part of the way in which we view the overall business. The last thing I'd say on responsible gaming you know, we do invest heavily OLG, you know, from our perspective, as I'm sure, you know, many digital operators as well really want to be best in class in, in this part of the business. And, you know, we think of it as, you know, critical from OLG's perspective as a, as a crown corporation, but then also just in terms of providing an entertainment option to our, our customers. So, um, we're always looking at how to refresh our play smart centers and physical casinos. How do we create the same kind of environment on our digital on our digital offering? And really, what's the next evolution of RG? And, and I'll end with where I started. That's really why the play smart forum yesterday is a great opportunity for collaboration in the industry to really talk about RG as a collective as opposed to an individual. When I saw the report come out this week and, and, and looked at some of the numbers, uh, one of the first things that came to mind was was listening to you speak at the Canadian Gaming Association's one year anniversary of the of the regulated marketplace, um, and and uh, you know you talking about uh, to, to paraphrase you that 
that OLG really needed to step up his game on the digital ga gaming piece. And when you look at the report that, that became public on Monday, uh, that seems to have been borne out by, you know, 31% increase in, in digital gaming proceeds um, over the 21-22 uh, annual report and, and uh, uh, you know, a healthy hike in, in player accounts. And, and uh, can you maybe just break down for, for the listeners just the success that you've had in the digital gaming. And, and I think you, you were very transparent back in April on saying that, that having competition in the marketplace for, forced OLG to, to be better at what you do. First of all, I'd say that as an organization, we're, we're you know, extremely happy with our results, not only in digital, but also across all of our lines of businesses. We delivered $2.5 in net profit to province um, to, the, to Ontario last fiscal year. So you know, that's just a source of pride and really, you know, the fuel that drives the organization to continue to improve uh, on the digital side specifically. Um, you know, I think I think you're right, Steve. We talked a little bit about at the one year anniversary OLG looking at the competitive market as an opportunity to rethink some of the things that we were doing, some of the customer experience that we were providing and really trying to um, up our game. I, I certainly won't get into the organizational details. I'm sure that will uh, bore many people, but I would say that organizationally, we just really pivoted ourselves to deliver much faster improvements to our products and our, our customer experience. You know, I could list off a myriad of things that um, we've delivered, but I, I would say at the core of that um, improvement in our core offering is really you know, we have an unbelievable digital team that we have um, uh, developed at OLG that uh, works with amazing technical partners. Our, our, our BEAD is our technical partner. And then also um, we have some great partners and leagues and teams as well that help to really create a comprehensive offering. So yes, we, we are up 30% from 22 to 23 uh, our growth continues. Obviously, our annual reports come out, you know, usually quite a bit after the end of the fiscal year. Our, our growth is continuing this year. We're not really slowing down in any way. Um, and I think the last thing I'd say is that we're really happy with the way that we deliver that those proceeds. So if you if you do simple math, you can see that our 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 margins in terms of how much that proceeds conveys to net province to the province is quite healthy. Dave, going back to, you know, the old, the pro line days, and I remember writing about this in the star and, you know, when, when we were still, I think on the process to C218 getting, getting passed and single event sports betting being illegalized. And, you know, the story about the, the, the sports fans going down to the, the 7-Eleven or the gas station and getting their pro line ticket and, and making their picks for the, for the games at night. And, just you know the evolution and, and putting ProLine on on digital. What, what are some of the trends that you're seeing? And and I guess I'm guessing um, Jeff and I think heard a lot of conversations last week about uh, about the innovations around uh, same game parlays and 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 of course uh, data companies and, and sportsbook operators and leagues are excited about in play betting. I mean, what what are some of the trends that you've seen with with sports betting online at OLG? Yeah, I, I guess I guess the first you know, big trend that I would say quite candidly is that growth in retail betting continues. So, um, you know, I would say that I think there might have been a belief that retail sports betting would have slowed down in, in gas stations and convenience. So that's actually 
uh, quite the opposite. We continue to see growth in that in that field. So making sure that we're continuing to improve the retail offering um, has really been important to OLG and really looking at our retail and our digital sports offering as one collective sports book. Um, you know, obviously improvements to digital is a little bit, um, you know, easier just from a perspective that, you know, there's no trip to a convenience store. So, you know, things like, um, you know, live game wagering is a little, is more prevalent in digital and not, not specifically at retail. But, you know, I would say that that's the one, the one major trend that we've seen. And, and I think that we're thinking about that. There's also, um, I also, um, land-based gaming falls with under, under my portfolio as well. So, starting to introduce sports books in casinos as well, I think are also important to rounding out the sports betting uh, market. But I would say just in, in the digital sports, I think this is probably, you know, a similar trend um, with many uh, competitors in the Ontario market. Obviously we're seeing in-play wagering uh, continue to um, continue to grow. You know, I think probably, you know, micro betting will be the next tranche of, of, of competition coming up soon in the in the Ontario market as that expands a little bit more. Um, you know, I, I mean, for OLG specific, we're, you know, ProLine specific, I should say, we're, we're a little bit localized, I'd say. So we still take a lot of action on our on our local teams. Um, Leafs Raptors, I think we we call the Bills a local team as well. So we continue to see. Um, a lot of um, a lot of wagers on those core regional teams, and the last thing I say, is, and and we try to focus on that, trying to make sure that we are re- are offering because we're not a regional teams that are interest to specifically to Ontario. Hey Dave, just uh, on the retail sportsbook piece, uh, last weekend was the first time I I've had a chance to be in Las Vegas on a, on a Sunday during the NFL season, and. It was fascinating to walk. I walked through two or three hotels on on Sunday afternoon um, before the G2E started, and and seeing you know those those sportsbook lounges packed with people, and and you know the recliners and watching the football games, and and that's quite a, an experience. Do, do you think there is an appetite and there's an opportunity for OG to continue to kind of build out those retail sportsbooks and and kind of enhance that experience? Well, I think I think the objective right now in terms of retail sports books is really at casinos. So, um, you know, OLG not alone, certainly working with our casino service providers to develop, um, you know, the appropriate strategy that that fits fits both of our objectives. So there is a uh, impressive sports book in Caesars Windsor that's been opened. Um, a shout out to our friends in, in Niagara Falls. Mohegan is uh on the verge of opening their sports book as well, which I would say will be a very uh, impressive um, outlet as well to create a new offering to Falls View Casino. And then I think progressively, you know, over over time, we'll start to see more sports books, you know, similar to, I think, Steve, what you saw in Las Vegas, certainly we'll start to see more of those um, show up in our, our larger Ontario casinos. Hey, just a couple more questions, Dave, before we let you go. And and one is on the whole advertising and, and marketing issue, which we know has been a hot button topic since the market markets opened and and uh you know, we continue to see what happens with, with new leadership at the Alcohol and Gaming Commission of Ontario, whether 
uh, whether the, the standards that were announced back at the end of August, whether there maybe will be some changes made before they go, they're scheduled to go into place in February. Like how, how much discussion has there been amongst you and the leadership team at OLG around marketing and advertising? And, and have you guys, you know, called any audibles at all? Um, you know, I, I don't, I, I think OLG slash ProLine, I mean, I don't, I think that we're comfortable with, um, the AGCO's position and how they're moving forward. I mean, I wouldn't put it as, you know, a core piece of our marketing platform for lack of a better word. So, um, you know, I think that, you know, from our perspective, um, you know, OLG has always been, you know, our mantra has been a little bit about, you know, making sure that there's a, a consistent framework, but within that consistent framework, we're more than happy to, you know, compete uh, on that on that framework level. So I, I think that you know, from our perspective, it's I guess if your question is, have we had to pivot? Not not really, Steve. I wouldn't say I'd say that. You know, our our investment in um, in in athletes, et cetera, was was fairly uh, low. So I think that um, we're, we'll we'll continue uh, down the path that we've been doing, which is really you know focusing on um, you know advertising and marketing more about you know, OLG's products and who we are as an organization. Right. Uh, last question, David, you, you mentioned that we're, we're probably a few months, I guess, now into the uh, 20, uh, 23, 24 fiscal year at OLG. And are there kind of two or three priorities and, and things that, uh, that you're really focused on over the next, uh, over the next eight, nine months? Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's a good question. So I'd say a couple things that, um, you know, we have um, partnerships with our uh, two of our casino operators in Great Canadian and Gateway to uh, work with them as uh, digital land-based partnerships beyond our already existing partnerships as as Ontario as OLG with with uh, them and the land-based side. So I think that would probably be one uh, major one is to really continue to expand that partnerships. And so specifically, what I mean by that is if you go on the floor at Pickering, you'll see. Um, promotions about playing with olg.ca as well. So, and then vice versa, olg.ca would, um, you know, support very broadly uh, its land-based gaming partners as well. So um, continuing um, to expand that partnership, um, you know, probably, you know, not the exciting game launches, et cetera, but we're really taking an, an increased focus on improving our app strategy and, and our payment strategies. So really making sure that, our customers can play with us in the way that they want to, both in terms of channel, but then also how they want to uh, load up their wallets. Uh, we, we released direct pay last year, which is a new way to consume lottery. So really picking up on that and continuing to try to um, improve those options. And, and then the last thing I'd probably say is just, we've got a big push this year with regards to, you know, focusing on personalization and some other things that are really our, our iCasino business is doing quite well. So just really trying to improve that by making sure that we have the right games for the right players at the right time. Dave Pridmore is the chief gaming officer for OLG. Uh, Dave, really appreciate you taking the time to, to spend a few minutes with us talking about the annual report today. And uh, uh, we certainly look forward to getting you back on the show and, uh, and not waiting quite so long next time. <laughs> Be great. Thanks, Steve. Take care. You too, Dave. Thanks again. Uh, that was Dave Pridmore. Um, I mean, I just want to get back to, uh, you know, Dave mentioned personalization for a second and, and it just reminded me about 
uh, kind of some common themes that came out of the uh, came out of the uh, show last week for me. And and again, uh, it's funny. It seems every time I go to the conferences, and maybe it's because guys like Jeff and I sit in a lot of panels and and have a chance to interview people, a lot of people that we normally don't get in the in the day to day work. But you know, personalization is something that they came up on an awful lot. Uh, for people, I think um, Andrew Bimson from Sport Radar and Joe Asher from IGT talked about it uh, on a panel about uh, about sports, legal sports betting moving forward one afternoon. And of course, everybody talks about innovation and and product. And we touched earlier on on responsible gambling. Was there anything else that uh, anything else that came along that last week? Where again, there's certain catchphrases or buzzwords that that you tend to hear at these conferences right now. Um, no, I think just in, you know, what Chris and Jeff and I have already talked about that kind of covers it, but it's just like from a product perspective, because when I go down there, I go with my VP of product and we meet with our suppliers and, you know, like each operator will know what product I'm talking from the casino side, which product is doing the best, what, what product is resonating the most with their customers, what's getting most gross win and gross win revenue for the, the operator. Um, and so you're kind of always pushing your suppliers to innovate um, and provide better versions of that, or even better if you're a big enough operator to get an exclusive access to certain products for two weeks, a month, two months, three months. And that way you can be the first operator in the market with them. Um, there's also different types of games. There's very tiny um, aviation, you know, it's a, it's a new style of game um, that, um we're at G2E and some of them are trying to get licenses because, you, you know, you got a product, you have to come in and get licensed to the AGCO so you can actually legally sell your product to different operators. But, you know, every year there's someone coming in who's got a great new idea um, and you're going to see lots of operators, especially those who are forward looking, who will be jumping on them to try and get those products into the market first. So from a, from a you know, customization point of view, I mean, it's not rocket science to figure out what games your customers like playing. And it's not rocket science to get a, a website or an app that, that recommends things for them to try based on, you know, what they seem to be enjoying to play. So I think it's just the ongoing evolution of this market. I mean, if just speaking broadly, 47 operators is not sustainable for Ontario going forward. So if you think in, you know, three years from now, we'll be at kind of half that, maybe, um, you know, it's just my personal opinion, maybe that will be what's sustainable in Ontario. I think you'll be seeing a lot of operators who then have the freedom and flexibility to be trying new things and to be really focusing on what makes their customers happy. Hey, Chris, any other thoughts on that? Yeah, I think um, I think the, the, the product optimization part, and, you know, people always ask, you know, how is AI going to change things right now for us? Well, the first thing it's going to do is is give a more personalized product. At some point, and in the very near future, you're going to be able to sit on your couch and it's going to feel like you're at an actual blackjack table um, with a headset on. But before we do that, um, it's going to be the personalization of the product. The other thing I think um, that to keep an eye out for, and, and both in the casino and sports side, but it'll probably be more on the sports side, is more, or excuse me, more on the casino side, is uh, more gamification. And, um, you know, I'm of an age where I grew up with the Sega Genesis and the PlayStation 1 and 2. And then I kind of got away from video games, even though I still enjoy them. But I'm no good anymore because the kids always, um, you know, they beat me online and I get frustrated. But 
you know, the younger generation people in their twenties and thirties, they grew up in a, in an era of video games where it was like, you know, open this pack of cards and, and get this rare one of one and get these experience points and this and that. I think you're going to see more of that start to creep in. And I think that's, you know, a differentiator as Amanda just said, you know, if you've got 47 brands and uh, doing the same thing, that's not going to work. So there's going to need to be some disruptors in terms of what does the experience look like? Because, you know, if you go on DraftKings or FanDuel or, or MGM or Caesar, what the ex, the user experience is ultimately the same. So we already know that we're in a um, an era of diminishing brand loyalty. So what's going to make me want to come back to site X or site Y? And I think that's going to be the next uh, evolution of of what's going on here. Hey Jeff, I want to wrap up the show. I mean, if you have any other thoughts on on, on G two E, like those as well. But I, I don't want to. I want to make sure that we also cover because we didn't have a show last week. I want to cover off the iGaming Ontario their their latest performance report. And, and in case you you missed it in the the coverage last week, uh, IGO did announce their their numbers for the July to September period and. You know, just over fourteen billion dollars in total wagers, uh, total gaming revenue of five hundred forty million dollars. I think those numbers are pretty much on par with what what we saw in the previous uh, the previous quarter. As Amanda just mentioned, forty seven operators in the marketplace now with with seventy one uh, gaming gaming websites. Uh, Jeff, was there anything to you that uh, caused you to raise a spocky and eyebrow from from that report and and uh, and again, any any final thoughts on G two E? Nothing jumped into me too much, other than it just it really underscores. Um, I I think that the strength of the Ontario market. Uh, I I sort of have three pet peeves covering the Canadian side of the business. One is when people say sports betting got legalized in twenty twenty one. Didn't happen. It was just single game wagering. Um, Second is when they say it got legalized in 2022. No, that's just when Ontario launched the competitive market. And the third one is when uh, people kind of poo-poo the size of the Ontario market because the numbers that iGaming Ontario puts out uh, suggest that you have uh, a province, a provincial market that's sort of on par with, with some of the more significant states in the U.S. And also that it has the giant iGaming piece attached to it. And then these numbers don't even cover... Uh, OLG, of course, and, and that's the one thing that I feel uh, people outside of Canada don't necessarily grasp some ways is that there is that, you know, a fairly significantly sized uh, incumbent that's in the Ontario market taking bets. And, you know, you noted the, the report earlier that they're saying their digital business is doing pretty well. So that's the one thing to me is that, you know, these were summer months as well. And uh, you're looking, it's a slower calendar of sporting events. Uh, it's it captured some of the football season, um, but but not all of it. Um, so, you know, it, it showed that the staying power of the Ontario market. And yeah, I mean, I guess that sort of does tie into uh, G2E as well, because in some ways, when you bump into people um, it, from the U.S. That, that are thinking about the Ontario market, um, they may not necessarily grasp the, the presence of OLG, like the historical presence of OLG in the Ontario market, because uh, in some states, they're, they're sort of starting from zero on sports betting. And that just wasn't the case in Ontario. Uh, Chris? Yeah, I think that's a great summary by Jeff. I think for me, uh, the important point is it's the summer. And I know in my experience and I know in a lot of other operators' experience, you, we saw you know a significant downshift in terms of the amount of activity we saw, um, which means that, that others uh, saw, it, saw it rise or at least stay steady. 
um, for the previous quarter, you know, the one that included the NHL playoffs and the NBA playoffs and what have you. So, um, yeah, I think it's I think it's good news. It'll be curious to see what the next quarter brings. It should be significant growth. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's uh, at the end of the day, I mean, uh, the the business is clearly there. Um, the number of operators will probably change. There will be some winners and some losers, but the fact that the business is there is is uh, you know it's very positive. Uh, Amanda, the last word to you. And I, I'm thinking that uh, listening to Jeff's comments at the beginning about the IGO numbers, I, I'm thinking that you were you were giving him a virtual fist bump as he was talking about the uh, the perspective around the Ontario market. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff and I are completely aligned on that. I mean, we're twice the number of operators than we're this time last year. So any anyone you know suggesting that somehow uh, you know Ontario is is flagging is I don't know what they're drinking. Um, or maybe they need to start drinking. Um, so yeah, I'm really proud of this industry. Um, I think that, you know, we're 18 months into it. There are now some pieces of, uh, really low hanging fruit that, you know, on the IGO and EGCO side that they need to come back and, and address and, and they are doing that. So the hope is, you know, as we kind of turn the corner and get into 2024, we'll start you know, getting some relief for operators just in terms of either whether it's some cost improvements or some process improvements. But, you know, there's nowhere to go but up in this in this market. So looking forward to keeping the conversation going. Amanda Brewer, Chris Abbott and Jeff Sacconi, thanks so much for for joining us this week. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of great information. Uh, thanks also to Dave, Dave Pridmore. Um these LinkedIn audio events, we we do produce a podca- podcast of them, and I I usually find it beneficial to go back and listen again because it's it's impossible to soak in all the 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 great insight information that we get over the over the hours. So um, the podcast will come out uh, come out in a few days time. You can find it on uh, at GamingNewsCanada.ca or on all of the uh, various podcast platforms. Uh, thanks again for everybody for joining us. I think it's probably one of the high, most highly engaged LinkedIn audio shows we've had had in a while. So appreciate everybody joining us this week. Uh, Amanda, hope you're feeling better. Uh, thanks again, Chris and Jeff. And uh, we will see each other in seven days' time. Enjoy the rest of your week and your weekend. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to the Gaming News Canada show. Sign up for our newsletter at gamingnewscanada.ca. Follow Steve McAllister on LinkedIn to join the live audience. Message Steve if you're interested in being a sponsor or featured guest.